So one of the things that I find is most useful is talking about to, to new nurses about when you come into work, how do you set your plan for the day? What do you look at? How do you organize yourself? And how do you prioritize your patients, your patients' needs? And once we start making that plan, we can talk about ways of how do we change this plan when situations and circumstances take a left turn that we weren't expecting. How can new nursing grads and novice RNs obtain the skills they need to not just survive, but to thrive in their first year of practice and build a strong foundation for their careers? Let's talk all about it with nurse and professional development instructor Chuck Jankowski of Unstoppable RN, right here on episode 424 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is about you. It's about your personal and professional development, your career, and the healthcare system in the big picture. And I'm always here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And remember to head over to rnegade.pro, that's R-N-E-G-A-D-E.pro. That's where they're building a library of nursing podcasts that you can listen to just like this one, and earn CEs for doing so. So go to rnegade.pro, log into the portal, select me or anyone else from the dropdown, and earn CEs for listening because you're listening anyway. And if you'd like to help other people find the show, leave a rating and review on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify, or just share the show with anyone who you care to share it with, who you think would benefit or enjoy it from any app that you happen to be using. I appreciate you all so much. The show notes are on the app where you happen to be listening or at nursekeith.com in the drop-down menu labeled podcasts. Anyway, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are here with nurse and professional development instructor Chuck Jankowski. And Chuck, you have a lot to share with us. And the first question I want to ask you is, what do you perceive and what have you identified as the pain points that are the main ones experienced by novice nurses that you are on a mission to solve? Well, Keith, thank you for having me. And I think to talk about that, the first thing we need to look at is, you know, our nursing education programs, which are are graduating students who are prepared to pass the NCLEX. And could you imagine if you went to a culinary academy and you asked your instructor right before you graduated, how, how do I prepare and serve a menu full of meals for a restaurant full of people? And the instructor turns to you and says, well, we've taught you all about vegetables and meats, stoves, pots and pans. So when you get to your first kitchen, the chefs will show you how to put it all together and prepare an actual meal service. Then you get to your, uh, your first restaurant and the restaurant tells you about their particular stove and they tell you about their particular pots and pans. And you get to the kitchen and the other chef in the kitchen who's responsible for teaching you got there six months before you did. And they're having their own struggles with the nuances of preparing and serving a menu full of meals. And that's sort of a metaphor for uh, where we're at with uh, the way new grads are coming out into the workforce. Um, we are having new grads who are uh, 
taking on new roles as charge as nurses and new roles as charge nurses and preceptors with six months to a year on the job. And that's not their fault. They'll, they're still learning themselves and they're doing the best they can in a difficult environment. Um, I come from a background, uh, my early nursing career and prior to being a nurse, I was a New York city firefighter and there's a very deep and ingrained culture of mentorship there. It's an expectation of the senior firefighters to take the junior members and pass knowledge onto them. It could be through explanation, talking through how we perform a task. Hey, at this building, this is how we'd set up our ladders or stretch a hose to the top floor. It could be demonstrating a task together. Hey, let's clean these tools and go over how we're working. Or it could be through storytelling and exchange of cultural knowledge. Like once we had a fire in this building, we faced these challenges. This is how we overcame them, or this is why we do things the way we do. Uh, and even for those people who teaching isn't a strength or a skill that they really possess, it can just be role modeling and showing new members by their example the right way to do things. I do things the right way. So if you're unsure, look to how I'm doing it. Uh, the scenario I see in nursing is very similar today, very similar to what was going on in the fire department after 9-11. Uh, we had nurses during the pandemic who stepped up to the challenge of providing nursing care, but for various reasons, didn't have the mentorship to guide them. And it was a situation where brave, brave people were doing the best they could in a crisis, many, if not most of them, very successfully. But just getting through it isn't enough. Just getting through a stressful situation is what leads to stress, to burnout, to moral injury. I took on the role uh, as a RN professional development instructor mentoring new grads for their first year of practice. And I really thought going into the role that I would be working with, uh, with nurses on hard skills, how you start IVs, how you manage chest tubes, how uh, suctioning ET tubes and trachs. And that's definitely part of what I do. But really what I found was that the support that new grads need is in the softer skills, managing time as a resource, managing tasks and patient needs in the face of competing priorities, setting boundaries, communicating recognizing patterns and problems and feeling confident enough to act on what they see and how to be leaders and delegators in the hospital and healthcare environment. Okay. So if we, we teach to the NCLEX, right? That's what we do. And a lot of the softer skills you just mentioned, the things that you've identified as where novice nurses really need support, not with the like hard skills, the task-based stuff, how much are we giving them short shrift in nursing education programs when that's the stuff that when people get out of school, they're like, um, what do I do now? How do I approach this particular situation? Are we really doing them this like incredibly great disservice during nursing education? And if so, that's kind of a that's kind of a sad state of affairs. So without making an indictment of the nursing education system, yeah. uh, nursing educators are doing the best they can in their environment. Yes. They have a, a limited opportunities of clinical hours, limited um, opportunities in clinical sites, limited experiences for students to have. We would like you know students to get every experience under the sun in their clinical environment, but if it just doesn't exist during the time period that they're there, they're not going to have exposure to it. That also falls into that category we're talking about of uh, new grad nurses, inexperienced nurses, novice nurses coming into work and saying, oh, hey, Melissa, you got a student today. They are either could be 
uninterested in teaching, whether in general or just at this junction in their career, or just mm-hmm. not prepared to to teach a a student nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's it's a tough situation for everybody. I don't want to I don't want to de- demonize nursing schools or nursing instructors, uh, but you know nursing school you're expected to be able to be licensed when you're when you are done so that is how they teach which is how to get licensed yeah so that puts them in a hard spot too and we also have faculty shortages etc so we could go down that rabbit hole but we're not going to go there absolutely yeah we want to focus on this and you know what i find really interesting about where you're coming from is that having been a firefighter and you see this mentoring culture you mentioned that to me when you and I spoke a number of weeks mm-hmm. ago and you know within firefighting it's part of the culture and i could see why one if you're fighting fires in a burning building with your colleagues your lives literally depend on everyone working together and doing this right and the lives of other people so you're not just trying to save lives you're also trying to survive through through very dangerous circumstances so that mentoring philosophy and kind of institutional culture seems super smart. And a lot of new nurses come into the job, which is, this is what I've heard, and maybe you've heard the same, and they might be bullied, they might be treated very poorly by the people who are supposed to precept them. Maybe they're preceptors, like you said, just like the nurses who have nursing students to instruct, maybe they're not interested in being preceptors. Maybe they don't even know how to teach this new ED nurse who's there in an internship after graduating. So do we need to have more programs like the one you have that we're going to talk about in order to help new nurses in this transition outside of the workplace where we we offer them we offer them mentorship. Does it need to happen extracurricularly? So, you know, I, in my experience in nursing, nursing as a profession, nursing as an institution is five or so years behind solving problems and they arise. When I got into nursing, it was the, uh, the financial crisis in the two thousands hospitals were, were not hiring, uh, new nurses, experienced nurses were not retiring and leaving the workforce. And we were running into the block of you need for a new grad position, you need to get one, have one year of experience, but how do I get one year of experience if you won't hire me without it? Yes. And that is where a lot of these programs evolved from as nurses who made it through those blocks and challenges rose into leadership positions. They started to reflect on the experiences they had and changed, um, change the the playing field for new nurses. That's where we started seeing nurse residency programs coming into play and uh, you know a little more opening up of, of what are defined as new grad positions. And I think that we're in a similar position now. There are some forward-thinking organizations that have very, very involved uh, residency programs, very, very involved transition to practice programs. And there are some that don't. It's you know it spans a spectrum just uh, in the way everything else does in nursing. When you have uh, you know such a wide variety of, of bodies and institutions involved in, in delivering healthcare and, and employment, um, but I do think that uh, programs like the one that I work for are going to be growing over the next few years. Uh, my team, what we do is after a uh, after a nurse is done with their pre- preceptorship, 
we round on them. Uh, we try to have uh, in the very beginning after preceptorship, uh, at least every shift to check in. And what we do is we provide a safety net. We provide a resource uh, for these nurses. We are an experienced nurse who's not your boss. We're not your clinical director. You can ask us a question in a safe space, in a space where the answer is going to come non-judgmentally, and the answer is only going to come for the purposes of making you stronger and helping you move, move forward and providing you with a base of support for your first year. Uh, you, we aren't your colleagues on the floor, so you don't have to worry if you admit to us that you don't know something that it would you know, get spread around uh, to other nurses or would look, look bad upon you. It is just a, a resource, a safety net. And when we talk about the uh, the Swiss cheese model of, of unwa preventing unwanted outcomes where we uh, want to add layers of Swiss cheese to keep our little balls from falling through. We're an extra layer of Swiss cheese there to keep an unwanted outcome from occurring and to help our nurses develop. Mm. And when you work with nurses yourself and your team, are you working with them individually kind of, you know, in their off hours? Like how do you interact with nurses who want to work with you and want this kind of mentorship? Where does it happen and how does it happen? So we interact on the floor with them. Uh, we, we visit them during their shift and uh, check in on them at a time when they're available to, uh, to have a check-in. We also are always available if there's an issue that arises, they can always call us and have us meet them right then and there. And I've had both, uh, both things come up where I've had sometimes just wandering around in the units and, and checking in on nurses, finding out problems that they were having. And other times nurses have called up and said, hey, can you come to such and such a unit? I need, I have a question for you. How do you, how do, you do this? Because I'm assuming you need, you know, you have to have the clearance of the institution and the unit, the facility to be able to be in there working with them because you're not an employee of the institution. No, so. I am. I work for the institution and this is part of the professional development uh, group of, of the institution I work for. Oh, very cool. I didn't quite understand that aspect. So this is for the, the facility you work for specifically. Yes. Yeah. But do you feel, I mean, so that happens at your institution, but you know, back in the day, if we go back, I don't know how many years, is it 50, maybe less? I don't know. When nurses went to school, to schools that were attached to hospitals, you know, and they had that like really intensive training in the facility where that actually was, was their school. And then now we have, like you said, nurses who get out of school, they land a residency like an ED residency or an IC residency, but that's a very, very select small slice of new nurses. So is what you're offering sort of the, the stopgap measure for these types of experiences that nurses aren't offered anymore like they used to be? So, you know, in my work during the pandemic, I saw a lot of places across the country where new grad nurses, and to their credit, were brave enough not to stop going to nursing school because we were in the middle of a, of a pandemic. They were brave enough not to take a job doing something else. Uh, they, they jumped in feet first into the healthcare environment, and they were put into a very tough spot where 
due to patient load, due to staffing crises, they didn't necessarily have the support they need. And it wasn't just new nurses. There were also places where uh, uh, retired nurses were coming back to practice. Nurses from less acute specialties where maybe their uh, you know, elective specialties were closed down during the pandemic, were coming in and working at the bedside. Nurses who were away from the bedside as educators or administrators were coming back to the bedside and, and nursing. And of that, you know, large group of people who were who were operating outside of their comfort zone, some of them, you know, were in over their heads. And there was not necessarily someone who was there to throw them a lifeline to hold on to, to help them get their nose out of the water. Hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I created the Unstoppable RN program, which is to have a wider impact than I do just at the facility that I work for. Uh, I wanted to be able to communicate to new nurses that it is you are capable of managing the stress, the chaos of your nursing shift. You just need to use these tools to do it that you might not be exposed to because you show up to work and the senior nurse working has two years on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's one tool or strategy that you find is universally helpful for the new nurse who is out there and as a novice in their you know, they're feeling like, Ooh, I don't quite have what it takes for me to like get through here. Um, what's something you could share with us that is, that's a helpful one. So I think the number one tool that new nurses can do is to organize themselves at the beginning of their shift and create a plan. Nursing is about chaos. Our patients have chaos going on in their bodies that we're trying to help them overcome to get to a better state of health. And there's chaos going on around us. There's phone calls, there's call bells, there's patient needs, there's family needs, there's provider needs, there's um, other allied services coming in looking for our uh, attention and our and our skills and services. And as a nurse, it is very easy as a new nurse to get caught up in that chaos. And instead of forging through it, kind of get caught and bob along as, as you go. So one of the things that I find is most useful is talking about to, to new nurses about when you come into work, how do you set your plan for the day? What do you look at? How do you organize yourself? And how do you prioritize your patients, your patients' needs? And once we start making that plan, we can talk about ways of how do we change this plan when situations and circumstances take a left turn that we weren't expecting? If we have a plan, we can always change it. If we don't have a plan, we're just compounding chaos on top of that chaos. And that's where things like leadership skills, delegation skills, prioritization skills, that's where those come in. Uh, If... I have a great plan, then all of a sudden one of my patients becomes a rapid response. If I don't have anything set up of what I'm going to do next, I can't ask another nurse, the charge nurse or uh, the clintex or, or patient care technicians. I can't ask them to do the next things on my list for me because I don't really know what they are. I'm just moving along as the day moves along. But if I have a plan, I can delegate those tasks out and get my other patients' needs covered while I attend to what is the most pressing need at the time. So it sounds like there's this certain level of reactivity that's normal in these circumstances because we have to react in the moment. But you're saying that if we have a strategy and we have a solid plan the way we approach our day each day and it becomes sort of a 
I don't know, ingrained habit that when things go south, we can fall back on that. And that's sort of our, that's sort of the baseline we're operating from. Yes. And it's not just going south in terms of, of a rapid response or a crisis occurring. It could be a normal um, occurrence if, you know, some stat orders go in, if we have to take a patient down to CT that we weren't expecting, if uh, we have a massive cleanup in one of our rooms that we know is going to take an extended period of time. Those are all things that that can derail our day. And if we don't have a plan for how we can deal with it and how we can uh, adjust our, our, our actions then it just starts stacking and stacking and stacking and we get further and further and further behind. Yeah. Before we take a break, I just want to ask you, when you first became a nurse, like when you first, you know, you emerged as a licensed professional and you were on your first, you know, several months of working out there in the world as a licensed healthcare professional, what was your experience and what were the pain points you hit? Were they the same as the ones you're describing? Yes. And I, you know, when I talk to the the nurses I work with, I like to tell them about some of the light bulb moments I had mm-hmm. in my practice that got me from feeling like I was drowning to feeling like my nose was out of the water to feeling like I was swimming. Uh, it was a, a great deal of overwhelm coming into a critical care environment as a nurse without, uh, you know, I was a, a nurse who didn't work in med surge prior to coming into critical care. I went right into critical care. So learning uh, the uh, nuances of critical care, in addition to taking actual care of my patients was a, uh, was a tough point for me. And it was, even though it was, it was a limited number of patients compared to what uh, other nurses see on, on some uh, less acute floors, they were very demanding patients where things had to be done every hour. Things had to be done at specific times. And I found myself running back and forth and back and forth like a ping pong ball between my rooms. Mm. And I was able to sit down and say to myself, this is not a sustainable pace. I need to figure out how to... Uh, how to better manage. And that's where I had great mentors. I had great preceptors who become great friends. I still talk to my original preceptor. She's retired and we still talk on a very regular basis about hmm. nursing and practice and life and things. And following her example, following the other, the example of other nurses I saw on the unit whose practice I admired and respected and making some rules for myself of how I was going to set up every day at the beginning of the day is really what got me through there. Sitting down and, and you know, the saying is a stitch in time saves nine. And I, and I don't even really know what that means. But what I, what I know is it means if you take 15 to 20 minutes at the beginning of your shift to sit down with a piece of paper and chart out the things that you need to do, you are going to save yourself multiples of that 15 to 20 minutes over the course of your shift. Yeah. So you had similar experience and it sounds like you were lucky enough to have really good preceptors i mean that is illustrated by the fact that your original preceptor still your friend and you talk frequently i think that's really really cool to have that kind of long-term relationship with someone who kind of held you in those moments when you were first you know first out there on the floor i think that's really awesome when we come back from the break i want to ask you more about your career i want to ask you a little bit about the pandemic and what you witnessed and then talk about 
a pretty cool opportunity you have for new nurses coming up in November of 2023. So we'll be right back for the second half of episode 424 of the Nurse Keith Show with Chuck Jankowski. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again with friend of the pod and my new friend and colleague, Chuck Jankowski of Unstoppable RN. And Chuck, prior to the break, we were talking about your experiences when you first came out as a new licensed nurse. And you were very, very blessed to have a preceptor who really kind of did you a solid. And that person's still your friend, which I think is really, really wonderful. Uh, I wish we could all be so lucky. and. I'm curious, during the pandemic, you did a little crisscrossing of the country, and there's some things you saw. So why were you traveling around the country? You know, what was your role? And what did you see? And what did you take away from that? Sure. So I work as a nurse specialist uh, for the Department of Health and Human Services in the National Disaster Medical System. And we are a uh, organization made up of teams spread around the country, and we provide uh, support to state, local, tribal, and territorial partners when the healthcare and medical lifelines of a community are strained because of a disaster. And we saw a lot of work during COVID because a lot of our partners were very, very strained across the country. So we took a number of missions on uh, providing support um, in hospitals for uh, for facilities that were either strained by patient load or strained by uh, staffing uh, issues uh, on their floors. And we were able to come in there and give the nurses and, and physicians and paramedics who worked in those systems, we were able to give them some relief, give them some uh, some help, let them know that there were other people uh, in the country who were there to, like we talked about earlier, be that that life rope uh, to help get your head out of the water. Hmm. So this particular federal system, this is a disaster medical assistance team, right? DMAT, is that what it's called? Yes, that's correct. And it's the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services National Disaster Medical System. So is that, um, I'm just curious because I'm not fully aware of this. Is this like, a volunteer position or no we are civilian reservists uh, intermittent employees of the uh, federal government and we are while we're not in the military we are covered under the same employment protections that the national guard and reserves uh get when we are activated we're activated under federal orders so it's sort of like a, a medical national guard if you will that could yes that would be a, a way of putting it just we have no military uh rank or structure how interesting. So when you say protections, you mean if you sign on to be on a this DMAT team, if you get mobilized, then your job gets held for you, just like if you were in the the army reserves or something. Yes. That's really interesting. So people who are of the mind that they would like to be involved in such a thing, is it mostly nurses like you who have like critical care and rapid response experience or is it does it go into other areas 
we've got a very broad uh, background and, and a very deep uh, bench on our on our teams. Uh, we have uh, our clinical positions are physicians, uh, mid-level providers, nurses, paramedics, respiratory therapists. And we come from a, a variety of backgrounds, uh, a lot from emergency and, and critical care backgrounds, but we have plenty of nurses from other, other backgrounds as well. Uh, and, and those different backgrounds have been strengths on the different missions that we ha have gone on. Uh, it is really everything that is good about America and good about healthcare, uh, healthcare providers. It's neighbors helping neighbors, uh, nurses and doctors and paramedics and respiratory therapists helping other nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists, and, and paramedics. Wow, how interesting. So if we look at your career right now, so you do this national disaster medical system work. So that's one thing that you do when you get mobilized and, you know, when you're called on yes. and then at your current employer, you serve as a mentor, like you described in the first half where you can actually help these new novice nurses survive and then figure out how to thrive in their work. And you, you're like this extra layer of support that you provide and your your uh, employer pays for you to provide this service to new nurses. Yes, they are lucky to work for a very forward-thinking system in development of uh, our new grad nurses and as well as, as retention and uh, creating a, a strong nursing workforce. That's pretty cool. And you've created Icon Education Services, and that's iconeducationservices.org. And under the the under the heading of Icon Education, you have the Unstoppable RN program. And you've already called that out several times. You've mentioned Unstoppable RN. So what do you do in Unstoppable RN? And can you describe this um, really cool opportunity coming up in November of 2023? Sure. So the combination of my experiences during the pandemic and my work doing professional development and mentoring our new grads kind of led me to create the Unstoppable RN program, which is uh, a, a, a seminar series uh, that, that is accredited for CEUs. And I wanted to have a wider impact than I was having because I had seen that need for, for nurses to receive this kind of mentorship and training and information uh, in, in my work during the pandemic. And I would like to, my goal with it is to mentor nurses, create a, a group of nurses who I can, in, who I've influenced, who can come to work and look at a full assignment and say to themselves, this might be tough, but I can handle it. I don't want nurses to come to work and feel despair or stress. I want them to develop that ability to create a plan for their shift so they can meet their patients' needs, as well as still having time to eat lunch like a normal human being, use the bathroom like a normal human being, do their charting and not have to stay at work, you know, two hours past the end of their shift uh, to do so. I want them to be able to take control of the situations they find themselves in, utilizing an actionable skill set and resiliency tools so that they can adapt their plan when, when circumstances take that left turn. And I want nurses who are going to be confident leaders, delegators, and communicators who can build a team with their fellow nurses and the non-licensed assisted personnel and other healthcare professionals 
Uh, and I also want nurses to have the tools to appropriately process and deal with stressful situations as they're occurring, as well as the self-care skills that they need to be resilient and main, maintain longevity in the career field. Nursing has been great to me. I have been able to take advantage of a multitude of opportunities, and I owe that to uh, to the to nurses and mentors who helped me along the way. I look at nursing as an orchard. And it is up to each nurse can decide for themselves how much fruit they want to carry out with them. And that might be becoming a clinical expert at the bedside, seeking certification and, and becoming really a leader at the bedside, a, a knowledge leader, becoming an actual leader and going into nursing leadership and management, whether that's furthering your education into the clinical aspect of things with advanced practice nursing or going into education or, or theory of nursing uh, following that route. The, the sky really is the limit, Keith, and I would challenge you to find another career field where two individuals who graduate from the same program with the same degree and get the same license, one of them can go on to be a college professor and the other one can go on to be a flight on a flight crew on a helicopter. There, there's no other career field in the world that has that kind of, of variety of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And speaking of opportunity... Um, I mentioned what's happening in November of 2023. So what are you going to be doing with the nurses who decide to join you then? And what what is this opportunity? So we've got an opportunity for new grad and novice nurses uh, to take a break that they need and deserve, to relax, unwind, uh, meet and network with their fellow nurses, earn some continuing education hours, and start either into their new career that they're starting or return to work refreshed and with a new skill set and mindset to really survive and thrive. And I'll be presenting the Unstoppable RN program uh, on board the Carnival Sunset on a five-day cruise, leaving out of Miami, Florida from November 13th to 18th. We're only giving the pro we're giving the program on the two at sea transit days. So you'll still have the opportunity to take advantage of all of the amenities that the cruise ship has to offer as the port stops, the excursions, Jamaica, Grand Cayman. But you're going to leave and get off of that boat with the skills to handle chaos and thrive in your nursing career and with HCE hours on top of it. Awesome. And this is the first time you're offering this particular um, cruise? It is. It's the first time we're offering the program in this environment. Uh, we're excited about it. I think it combines uh, the concepts of self-care, relaxation, and unwinding from the stresses of work and the ability to learn in a, a calm and uh, casual, more casual environment than you would learn on the, on the floor. We've got uh, some other activities planned, meet and greet and networking with fellow nurses, as well as some casual pocket sessions where you can meet and discuss nursing. You can discuss your goals. You can discuss your career path with experienced nurses from different specialties. That sounds really awesome. And this is specifically for people in their first year of nursing, more or less, right? Uh, yes, for first year, you know, any any nurse could benefit from from learning from us. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, based on my uh, my background, uh, I wanted to support the new grad and novice nurses. You know, really, I guess three years or under from, from, from new grad to three years, this is really would be perfect for you. Uh, whether you are just entering into the workforce or whether you are looking to 
sharpen your skills, change your skill set, reduce your stress at work, come back with a way to make a plan to uh, to create a change in your in your career and the, and the level of stress and burnout you're feeling. We're offering that opportunity. Mm, that's great. That sounds wonderful. Now, Chuck, um, when we first graduate from nursing school, our first order of business is passing the NCLEX, right? Because we yes. went to school and getting that license is sort of... That is the holy grail, that that license to practice. You, yeah. We've got this body of knowledge, but we just need the permission to use it. Yeah, and otherwise, all that schooling is for naught because we can't actually go out and touch patients and get jobs. So we get out of school, we get whatever help we need to pass the NCLEX, we pass it, we get our license, and then we're like, okay, we're deer in the headlights and we need to figure out how to get a job. So that's the first order of business. And you did mention something very specific to that circumstance, which is everyone's saying, oh, you need a year of med surge in order for us to hire you. And then you're hearing, well, how do I get that one year of experience, right? And then we also talked about how, you know, back in the day, everyone was offered the opportunity to, you know, be mentored within a hospital environment when nursing schools were part of the hospital. You know, that was kind of the old school way of educating nurses. So now we have this whole other ecosystem. And when we get out of school and then we get our first job, it's that first couple years that you see as crucial. So is there anything else we can do within nursing school in order to help that first year be better and for them to come out stronger? Or do you feel that nursing schools just basically they're teaching to the NCLEX, that's their job, and we need to have these new systems and new ways to reach new grads? Well, not being a nurse educator and being many years outside of the education environment uh that that's a tough question to answer i mm-hmm. i do know that there are some changes that are occurring uh, or have occurred recently in terms of the nclex itself and the material that's on it which uh, which from what i understand the, one of the goals is to use that it's to use that change to direct the way that nursing schools are delivering education um you know perhaps into a, a more uh, reality based model as opposed to just memorizing some facts and and i not some facts memorizing a lot of facts and 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 concepts and ideas that you need to to uh to become to prove that you are safe and able to uh to carry out the nursing process so i i think that could be a great um thing for new nurses uh for nurses graduating i think that if we added in to nursing curriculum some more leadership uh Leadership is not just about being the manager. Leadership is about creating an environment where other people want to participate with you in achieving your goals and vice versa. You participate with them in achieving theirs. And eventually your goals and my goals become our goals and we work together to do it. Uh, I know there's a saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And having nurses, giving nurses the ability to, uh, to really transform the culture of wherever they're at into one of teamwork and leadership would be a huge aspect of, of things uh, that would improve the environment. And I think a lot of nurses coming out with associate degree nursing programs don't get any exposure 
to leadership uh, that's more of a, uh, a BSN level of, uh, of education. I think some other tools would be discussing more about prioritization. You know, every, every now and then there's, uh, in my nursing school experience, the thing about prioritization would show up, but it would be kind of about triaging and who do you triage first? Uh, but more along the lines of not so much you're the charge nurse in the ED and people show up. It's this is your assignment for the day. This is what you walk into. Who do you see first? And what do you do when you see them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously changes are needed. There are changes being made to the NCLEX. There are people working to change the culture within nursing because of bullying and incivility, which I think does lend itself to new nurses burning out and kind of getting pushed out of the profession too quickly. I think you are very correct. Yes. You're very correct in that regard. I think, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're living in a time of increased societal incivility. And I think you see that not just in healthcare, you can look at, at people, the experiences people are having in retail, uh, in travel on the airlines and see that uh, there is a, a seemingly more incivil actions that are going on than has been in the past. Um, and you know, one of the things I think that nurses need to work on and that we talk about in the Unstoppable RN program is setting boundaries and recognizing where your boundaries are as to what you will tolerate in terms of uncivil behavior, whether that is from colleagues, from, um, from, from patients, from family members. There is no one who has the right to be incivil towards you, to threaten you, to put their hands on you, to make you feel less than in your workplace. It would not be tolerated anywhere else. And it's up to you as the nurse uh, to determine when you're going to draw the lines and to look at your institution and find out what tools your institution has to deal with those scenarios and when you want to act, act on those. Yes. Yeah, there's there's so many factors at play. You know, the, the major stressors of the pandemic are behind us, you know, wipe sweat from brow. You know, we can all breathe a sigh of relief. We're not, it's not 2020 or 2021 anymore. So we're, we still will always face all sorts of challenges, but we know no matter what, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that new nurses need support in order to survive and thrive because they're the ones who are going to be taking care of us 10, 15 years from now or even tomorrow. So, you know, it's in the interest of the profession to support the newer nurses and help them to thrive and be the best they can be. And it's in the interest of society. So, I mean, you're doing a service in your way, helping the nurses at your institution where you're employed and also helping nurses through the Unstoppable RN. So I hope people will take advantage of the cruise. I think it's awesome. And I'm sure you offer it in, you know, non-cruise environments as well, right? We certainly do. And yeah. I'm always happy to hear from any nursing students who are about to graduate soon, new grad nurses who just graduated or new novice nurses. Uh, you know, my, our email is unstoppablern at gmail.com. If you want to talk about the things you're excited about, uh, the things that you're apprehensive about, problems that you're having, uh, I'm always happy to uh, to take an email and, and work with you on what the uh, what the issue is and how you can move forward strongly from it. And we do offer the Unstoppable RN programming in seminar form. We can uh, also email us at unstoppablern at gmail.com 
or visit our website at iconeducationservices.org. And uh, we have our socials uh, that we will we'll put in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. And before we go, there's so much more to talk about, but I have four quick lightning round questions I ask all my guests. Are you game? I am ready. All right. So the first question is, how do you define success either personally or professionally? I define success as being happy with where you are in life and having options to change it if you are not. I like that. That's great. Number two. Could you name or just describe one person who's inspired you in the course of your life? They can be living or dead, famous, or someone who none of us would ever have heard of. Uh, actually, it, what's very interesting, and, and I don't know her name, and I'm remiss for that, but uh, there was a nurse who, in uh, during the Ebola outbreaks in Africa, she was... Uh, took care of her family and, and nursed her family back to health. And she did it without getting sick from Ebola herself. And the way that she did it was through extraordinarily careful and uh, thoughtful practices and taking care of her family in terms of uh, sanitation. She had rubber gloves, rubber rain boots, garbage bags, and bleach, but used mm-hmm. those tools to nurse her family back to health and to keep herself safe. And I, I believe, and I may be butchering this whole story, I believe she's mm-hmm. actually in the United States and works as a nurse in the US now, but I printed out her story. And before I would go into the hospital during the throes of the pandemic, I would read that story and remind myself that I could also keep my family safe. We had a newborn baby at the time. I could keep my, uh, my family safe if I acted carefully and thoughtfully and cognizantly in everything that I did. That's awesome. Sorry, that wasn't a lightning round answer. That's okay. All right. Penultimate question, third question. Is there a book or a movie, and it doesn't have to be an absolute favorite because that's so hard for many of us to pin down, that's had an impact on either the way you think, the way you live your life, or maybe the way you approach your work? I... One of the, and it's really more of a line or a paragraph from a book, one theme of the book itself that I found to be very inspiring was from the Count of Monte Cristo. Hmm. And at the end of the book, there's this discussion over how did he go through all these these issues, these challenges and problems in life where he was imprisoned and then living wealthy and then taking on other roles. And the answer he gave is, is no situation is good or bad unless you compare it to any other situation. In and I'm paraphrasing and butchering this as well. Uh, if you accept everything as it comes and deal with it as it comes, nothing is neither good or bad. I love that. I reread that book, um, I guess about ten years ago, and loved it. I thought it was amazing. No, it's fantastic. I, it's it's on my slow my slow reread list right now. I read a chapter here and there. That's a fantastic book. Okay, last question: If you were named king of the world tomorrow. What's one of the first things you would want to do to improve the lives of your subjects? Bearing in mind that being king of the world, you have ultimate power. You can do anything you want. You have all the resources you need. That is a big question for the last one. Yeah, it is. Uh, let's see. You know, I think that if we look at it from a nursing perspective, we look at it from a prioritization perspective, and we look at our hierarchy of needs, I think that the first thing I would do is to ensure food security, because without the ability to uh, 
feed and hydrate ourselves. We can't do anything else. No one can be lifted up into a higher station in life, a higher position in life, if they're not able to take care of those basic needs. And that's also, you know, my mom was very involved growing up in, uh, in, in fighting food insecurity and food pantries and stuff. So it's kind of a, a near and dear to my heart issue. I love that. And I love how you went, you kind of like went for Maslow, you know, you like went for the bottom of the hierarchy, you know, the thing we need most to begin with. I think that's great. And if several other several others have gone for something like that too, you know, food, clothing, shelter. And I think those are very powerful places to begin. Keith, like we talked about before, the way you deal with chaos is by having a plan and a process to apply to it. And Maslow is one of those plans and processes that that we can use that new grad nurses can use in their practice to figure out uh, what to make their next move. Well, if there was a vote, I'd vote for you to be king of the world, Chuck. And I thank you for that, my loyal subject. Yes. Thank you, my liege. Well, thank you so much, Chuck. This has been wonderful. I hope people will take advantage of the cruise and tell people they know about the cruise who might need it. It's iconeducationservices.org and they can get in touch with you via the unstoppable RN at gmail.com, right? That is correct. And we look forward to hearing from everybody. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Keith. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show with the inimitable Chuck Jankowski of Unstoppable RN. The show notes will be at nursekeith.com or any app where you happen to be listening. If you need personalized holistic career coaching to elevate your career, look no further than nursekeith.com and nursekeith coaching. Mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package. We're proud members of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. The show notes will also be over there. We are adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of Five. 20 our podcasting and mark cappy Spiesen is our stalwart social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler before we say goodbye i'll leave you with this quote by the poet and writer david white one of the keys to any possible happiness in work must be the little self-knowledge it takes to know what we desire in life how we are made and how we belong to the rest of the world be well Dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And once again, the inimitable Chuck Jankowski saying Arrivederci from Fairfax, Virginia. All right. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you to everyone for listening. And we'll catch you on the proverbial flip side. <laughs>